You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Talks Arotere. This is episode 21. Thank you for tuning in to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, where we believe growth requires courage. Episode 21 is Courage Over Fear, Recognizing the Signs of Growth. How are you doing? I hope your week has been fantastic so far. I want to start by acknowledging my new and old listeners. Thank you for choosing to spend half an hour every week with me. It is my desire to help you in any way I can on your journey towards playing bigger. This podcast is for you if you're looking to elevate in life or in business because you know there is more and you're not quite there yet because we agree that life is a journey that is marked by progress and whatever progress looks like for you, you're still traveling that journey. I would love to connect with you on social. I'm at Tox Arutere on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. And tell me how you discovered the podcast as well as what you think of it. And of course, if there are any topics you would like me to cover, hey, just shoot me a message. I have been in conversation with a firm concerning an aspect of my business. They have the capabilities to support the growth of the company to the point that I have imagined and possibly beyond. So we have been emailing back and forth and this week they named the cost of the investment. (laughs) It was way more than I imagined way more than I am comfortable with. And the operative word is comfort because we've been talking about the comfort zone in the last two episodes. So the first emotion I picked up when I read the email was anxiety and then fear. (laughs) Next, my mind began to form a picture of failure. What if it doesn't work? What if after all this, the business fails? What if I give my commitment and I can't stick to it because stuff happens? And if you have an active imagination, then you understand that in that short millisecond, I had even formed the excuses I will give when people asked why I failed. (laughs) I'd even arranged my mind to deal with and handle the failure. When I say the mind is a machine, I'm not playing. Thoughts are a spark that set off that rocket that's full of emotions and it travels at the speed of light. Then I try to walk backwards by reminding myself that failure isn't an option. It was never in the blueprint. I didn't factor it into the plans. And it's not to say that those of us who fail planned to do so. We didn't yet it happened. But you've got to learn to redefine scenarios to your advantage. And failure is one of those that must be redefined. I prefer to call failure by its given 
and true name, which is lesson teacher, because in the classroom of life, you are a student. Failure comes to teach, not to punish, not to torture, (laughs) not to cause needless suffering, but to teach us so we can become more of whom God created us to be. So here I was walking myself back, saying things like, I will not encounter failure. This is just an obstacle. I can and I will overcome it. And I reminded myself that inside of me was everything needed to create the future that I've imagined. Question, what future have you imagined for yourself? The truth is, you cannot imagine an impossible future. The desires you have came from your spirit, which is one with God. So I pictured that future and by doing so, I acknowledged its validity. But that didn't stop the fear, but it did transform it into curiosity. And it is necessary that we remain curious about life and about all that happens because it is only with a quizzical mind that we can find the diamond in the mud or the lesson in the challenge. That mindset of curiosity helped me to start looking inside, around, and under this rock, this new obstacle for a way around it, maybe an entry point so I could go through it maybe a weakness that will succumb to my strength. And for the rest of the day, I stayed in this space of searching and looking and hoping. And I noticed that my default action was to reject the whole situation because it wasn't one that I had envisaged. I didn't consider the possibility of the response that I had just received. and. I didn't consider it because I had made very clear what my requests were and they admitted and said that they could fulfill it and then now I'm being faced with this what seems like an insurmountable problem. I want you to pause for a second and think. How many uncomfortable situations have you rejected? You know, it shows up and you're just like, you know what, shut the door, let's not even bother There's no chance of this happening. There is no reason to negotiate or consider this. Think of a major one, because as we delve in further to today's topic, you will instruct your mind to be curious and discover if you could have made a way, or perhaps you can't think of a situation because you've been playing it safe all along and maybe you've stayed on the sidelines you may not have encountered an obstacle as you tried to play bigger because you didn't try. If that's the case, then think of something you would love to accomplish, but right now you're certain that you cannot, and then activate your quizzical mind. So as you're listening, I want you to really inspect the obstacle or the challenge or what seems so insurmountable, and look out for the weak points. Look out for gaps in which you can squeeze through and opportunities that you never noticed. So this time I noticed a difference that although the default reaction was to accept defeat and 
shut the door on the negotiations and move on to the next, I was able to view that reaction with curiosity. So I didn't respond to what I was feeling, but I was able to take a step back and just really observe it. And then I took the following steps to move me forward from what I thought was an insurmountable challenge. And I invite you to do the same. Number one is know your anatomy. As a child, I read my father's medical books and I have forever (laughs) remained fascinated by the human body. I recall dad explaining to me little things like blood clotting. Had to be because I was a tomboy and constantly got scrapes, bruises as I climbed trees. He explained to me why blood became dark and why it hadn't outside the body over my scrapes and my bruises. Now to understand this, you've got to first know the components of blood and the behavior as well. You'll need to understand that blood isn't merely red liquid, but that it contains platelets and fibrins which form a mesh over the wound. You'll need to understand further that this mesh dries when it's exposed to air. Not when it's exposed to water, but when it's exposed to air. And I'm chuckling because I remember one time I was playing football barefoot at home and I stepped over a broken glass and caught my foot and I was so scared of getting into trouble that I took my entire foot and stuck it in a big tank of water in the hope that (laughs) the blood would stop flowing and I could get away with it. Of course, that didn't happen because my wound needed air to begin to heal. In the same vein, when it comes to inspecting an obstacle or whatever seems so huge in front of you, you've got to know the anatomy of that obstacle and understand as well the anatomy of your own mind. This is why I am so passionate about introspection and everything about leaving from the inside out. That is always my first port of call. Because Lisa Nichols or Tony Robbins' mind is not the same as yours. Yes, as humans, we all share similar traits and there are thought processes that are common to us, but you are a unique being and no one can tell you what you're thinking except you. So in getting to understand your mind, you've got to look at your history and habits. What do you typically do in a situation like this? How do you normally feel? In my case, I was quick to surrender historically because of the fear of pressing forward and failing. I didn't want to deal with the failure, the pain of feeling I wasn't good enough or the embarrassment or the shame or whatever came with it. So I would typically stop any negotiations and appease myself by saying, one day you'll be able to say yes to their suggestions. You're not quite there yet, Tokes. One day you're going to grow big enough in your business and you'll be able to collaborate with a business like that. One day you'll get there. The trouble is there is no time like the present. If an opportunity shows up that aligns with your purpose, don't stare at it and don't consult your emotions for permission either. Many of us do that. We rely heavily on our emotions just to get things done. And they are not our instructors. 
They are there to indicate how we view something, which is, this is too big or I can handle it. Next, you want to question why you gravitate towards that response, whatever your response is. Is it born out of a past traumatic or perhaps difficult situation? Or did it come because you heard one too many times that this represents danger? I cannot share often enough my experience over a long period of time that I had with a friend. I'd listened to her views, which turned out to be negative, but they weren't obviously negative because they were often wrapped up in Christian spirituality. I listened so much and so long that even when I redefined her role in my life and drew a boundary line along the types of conversations we had, I kept hearing her instructions. Your source of information does not stop being a source just because you plug the hole. Because the words we repeatedly hear will be buried in our subconscious so that even when that voice is permanently turned off, you'll continue to hear it. So maybe your go-to response is born out of past conversations or material that you have read over a period of time. It's important that you know what you believe and identify its source. Then work hard to unlearn every lie you have uncovered. You've also got to understand the anatomy of the obstacle itself. Learn to see things from a different perspective, one that isn't yours. In building my business, especially in my earlier years, I came across a number of unscrupulous characters. I saw every business person as more business savvy than I. All it was, in many cases, was that they had the confidence to present themselves in the right light, while I was terrified. My fear, by the way, I believe came from losing my first real business because trials can do that to you. (laughs) When everything is going perfectly fine and the unthinkable happens, you may end up questioning everything, including your own ability. I met a gentleman who we will call Bob. I think it was on LinkedIn, and he offered to do a website audit for me. Then came back with a list of technical recommendations and, of course, presented himself as a solution. We got really friendly. I totally trusted him. Prior to that, I had had an Asian web developer lie to me about who he had worked with. So I decided no more. They've got to be located here in the UK and better still, white. Wrong. (laughs) This guy ticked all the boxes. He had a sizable network. He spoke well. He had an impressive job history and he was white and male. But my intuition just wouldn't settle down. He told me he did freelance work for a British brand which had multiple locations, like a sizable company. So I decided to contact their head office. Ring, ring. May I speak with the marketing department? Sure, I'll put you through. 
Hi, this is John. Hey, John, I have a question. My name is Tokes. I'm a small business owner. Da 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 da. We're not in the same space. This guy says he did some work for you for your website. Do you know him? Uh, nope. He's never worked with us before. Well, maybe he works as a freelancer from the outside.、Uh, you know? Nope, never. There's just two of us who work here, and none of them is Bob. <laughs>、uh, okay. Is it possible then, John? That the company that you use for your website outsourced it, maybe to Bob, lady. No, we work in house. I have been here from the inception of the company, and there are only two of us in the marketing department, and we do all the work. Hmm. <laughs> I hung up. Goosebumps all over me. So this guy. Perfect citizen of Her Majesty the Queen, just lied to me. Can you even begin to unpack the gems in this little scenario? Let's put aside for a second that Bob lied. What got me, or the biggest takeaway I had, was about judging a book by its cover. The fact that there was this massive company with multiple locations around the world. And when you hear the words marketing department, you're thinking of a, a huge room filled with twenty different desks and twenty, thirty people working there. You know, the mind does exaggerate such scenarios. But that was a blessing for me that a company that only had two people in marketing had made such a success of themselves, and remind me. <laughs> To tell you about when I assumed my middle and maiden names and went behind the scenes of another big company, only to find that their systems were so all over the place. That experience made me realize how often we attribute qualities to people and companies that come purely from our imagination. It also told me that if they could do it with their topsy turvy systems in Nigeria, we say jaga jaga. Then so could I. <laughs> anyway, my cynicism came from experiences like those I had with Bob, and I started to view business dealings with suspicion, forgetting that they were just like me for the most part. I had to unlearn that. I had to learn instead that people who had a business relationship with me wanted. My business to thrive, so they could also thrive. It's just like interior design. As a nursery interior designer, I go to great lengths to make my clients happy, not just with the final projects, but with the process as well. Because if they're happy, they'll tell others. And I'm not here to simply make money, but my reputation is on the line as well. So take time out to see things from. A different perspective and understand their viewpoint, and this will give you the space to consider another way forward. Plus, knowing their weakness will give you leverage during your negotiations. Second step is to have your vision in front of you. Getting into the habit of regularly visualizing your future. The future you want, not the one you fear, will keep things at the fore of your mind, 
And that way you'll recognize the difference between an opportunity and a threat. Because the closer your vision is to you, the larger it is until it obscures or swallows up the obstacle in size. I find that we often come up close to the problem so that it appears bigger than the picture God has given us for ourselves. So how about flipping things the other way? Ingrain that perfect picture in your mind so that it takes preeminence over feeling safe or remaining in the comfort zone. One of the signs that you might need reading glasses is when you start to pull the book away from your eyes because the words have become blurry. Yet they come into focus the further away they are from you or the further away the book is from you. That's what you want to do to the obstacle. Don't let it cloud your space and be all up in your face, but push it back so you can see it clearly. If you think about obstacle races, especially in major sporting events like the Olympics, the runners don't look at the obstacles. They don't look at those little bar things that are strategically placed on their lane. They keep their eyes where they are headed but they scale the obstacles because they knew beforehand that they could. And a lot of sportsmen practice visualization as a routine, like they have to. Tiger Woods sees the golf ball inching and getting into that hole before he even swings his club. And that's what we want to do when we're faced with an obstacle is place our eyes on the vision ahead of us and not on the obstacle. Don't be just so stuck in the obstacle and let it get into your head. Keep your vision in front of you. But then if you don't have a very clear picture of where you're headed and you don't have your vision either in the form of a board or written out in detail, you're not really going to have anything to look at except the obstacle. And then you're going to see all of the problems that it has. My third and final step is to revisit previous landmarks. You know how when you drive through places or visit somewhere you haven't been before, you recall where you were in life at that time? (laughs) That is one of my favorite things to do. So not so long ago, I was chatting with my friend Titi and drove through Crystal Palace. She loves a good story and I love to tell one so you know what happened next. I gave her an expose on my physical business journey as it relates to where I had had my offices over the years. My first office was in Crystal Palace. It was a shared space, a bit run down, and the desks were rented out at about £190 a month. I recall these two women who had a cleaning business, a commercial cleaning business, and they rented one of the three real offices in the building, you know, with doors and windows. That was going for 350 or so. And I remember longing for the day I will have the confidence and ability to pay that amount in rent. That space was also where (laughs) I hired an intern who signed her emails off as Princess Roro, another story. (laughs) 
<laughs> Months later, I began to reconsider because I was spending 30 to 40 minutes each way traveling. Plus, the cost of transportation meant that my 190 was more like three, no, about 230, I would say. Let's not forget the panic of racing back to pick my kids from school. So I was there for a number of months and before long, I began to reconsider or think about getting bolder and I started searching for a space near my home. If I could cut out the travel time, the panic about school run meant that I would have longer to spend working in the office and barely anything on transportation because I could walk. I found it. I found a new space. It was shared as well, but this time it was an actual office. I was to use it two or three times a week and it will set me back £280 a month. So that was another £50 on top of what I was previously paying if I took in transportation of the previous place. I convinced myself that I could spare that 50 maybe sell an extra bedside lamp or a bedding set or something. So I moved. It was great. That was where I had the meeting with the journalist where I told my rock star story as shared in episode two. But it wasn't perfect. We couldn't receive furniture deliveries and they were strict about us not working there more than the three times a week. I had also taken the bold step to hire my first member of staff part-time. And about a year later, maybe even less, I heard that the building opposite us had office spaces to let. They were going for 325 could I stretch a bit more? I was scared, but I took the plunge and we moved across the road to the plushest office with plush carpets and security. It was heaven on earth. It was heaven, business heaven on earth. And this was also where I had my first gypsy client who went on to throw up in our toilets and know she was not pregnant. But long story, that's a whole story that involves heading to the police station, looking for protection, changing our exit. We stopped coming in through the front door and started using the back door instead because we were getting threats and we were scared and worried that they were going to kill us. <laughs> that was when I went to the police station and said, you know, we're being threatened by travelers. Travelers is the politically correct name for gypsies. And I told him the story and he says, oh, that building you're in, don't worry. The whole place is crawling with cameras, with security cameras. You're fine. And I said to him, I don't want my murder recorded. I want it prevented. <laughs> but that's a whole nother story. My plush office was perfection. And I believed we were finally home. There was no reason to move ever again until the landlord tripled the rent to £900. We were given three months notice to find another home or sign the contract. So we moved again, this time close enough as well. And it was again even more perfect. It wasn't anywhere near as plush but it served our needs better because we were on the ground floor. We had a 
receiving pay for furniture. The neighbors were friendly. We were like one big happy family. That served us for about two or three years before taking another scary jump. (laughs) This time it wasn't a step, it was a jump by moving to the King's Road in Chelsea and opening our first boutique. So why have I taken you down that journey? It's because at every single step, each time I had to move, each time I was required to pay a little bit more, anxiety and fear showed up just the way they did this week. Yet, every time I pressed through, in spite of the fear, in spite of the anxiety, I grew a little bit more. I have learned that these two emotions always accompany growth. The reason I did not shut the door on that proposal this week is because I'm not yet where I want to be. Like that plush office, I have thought for a while that growth will come without any upheaval. Oh well, without much upheaval. And it's easy to think that your past challenges represents payment for future growth, but often it's only payment for present growth. (laughs) Every time you have to get up and move, you grow a bit more. So this week, I want you to dedicate time to being curious about the obstacles and your mind. Write out your vision in detail. Revisit the previous landmarks to identify how you overcame them and what emotions came with the change. Then bring it all together and make some new decisions to embrace and not run away from the challenge that you have been staring at. You are so kind for staying through till the end of today's episode. But I need you to do one more thing. Can you please review this podcast, review this episode? And can you also share it with your network? My goal is to reach as many people that want to play bigger in life and business, particularly if they are professional women with a side hustle looking to go full-time with it. I've enjoyed sharing my thoughts and I hope you've gained a gem or two. Thank you for listening. I look forward to catching up next week. Let us keep working hard to live from the inside out.